Well, at this time, we're going to get ready to receive our tithes and offerings. So ushers, if you could please prepare for that. And uh, for those of you who don't know, our, our youth ministry, Relentless, we just came back from a spring break camp called Elevate, where uh, where over 50 high school and junior high students took part in. And thank the Lord, we all survived, especially us leaders. But uh, I, I have to tell you, I wish there were words to tell you how great this camp was. But I can tell you that there are absolutely no words that I can even express how great our God is. Because he changed lives. Like he changed lives. Uh, he answered people's prayers. And what's so amazing is that he's still burning that fire for them. In fact, one of the words we taught them was, how are you going to echo Jesus when you come back home? And for the whole, this past week, that's all I've been hearing from is echo, echo, echo. And I just want to share that with you because I know some of you, you, you blessed our youth ministry. And so I just want to thank you so much for doing that. And what's so amazing is, that a whole generation has been impacted. And what's so amazing is that's, that's how great our God is. You know, when we, when, we, when we give to him our tithes and our offerings, he doesn't build a building. He doesn't make things. He impacts lives. And what a joy it is that we get to be a part of that. What a joy it is that we get to see many people come to know his love and their lives, their eternities forever be changed because we partner with him. And what a joy it is that we get to actually do that. We get to be a part of it. And so tonight, as we give our tithes and offerings, let's do it with joy and, and cheerfulness, knowing that God is doing something in the lives of his people. And what a joy it is that we get to be a part of it. If, if you're visiting us for the very first time, if this is your first Wednesday night you're visiting, we just ask that you don't feel obligated to give, but just receive this service. Maybe you're visiting us from another church, and we just want to encourage you to continuously give wherever you regularly attend service. But if New Hope Church is where you regularly attend, would you know that as we continuously give to him, he is going to continue to change the lives of all generations. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray for tonight's tithes and offerings? Lord, you're such an amazing God. You're so, there's no words, there's no words ever that could even describe the greatness of who you are. And what a joy it is, Lord, that, that your heart for us is unstoppable. And, you're, and yet, Lord, you allow us, you allow us to be a part of your plan to impact the lives of your people. And so, Lord, tonight, as we give you our tithes and our offerings, Lord, we do so knowing that you're going to take it and you're going to do great things with it because that is who you are, a great, mighty, unstoppable, loving God. And, Lord, I pray that for those who give, Lord, that as they give with a cheerful heart, they will know that what they're doing has eternal rewards because everything you do, Lord, is to reach someone. And so, Lord, I pray that as we, as we give you our tithes and offerings tonight, that it go forward continuously to reach one person at a time. We love you, Lord. We thank you. And we continuously look forward to what you're going to do in the lives of your people.
And we pray for all these things in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. 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 Can we say thank you to Pastor Ben, our relentless team. What a wonderful job. And yes, they did survive camp. But the parents were also thankful that their children came back. Right? No? Some of you are like, only one week, you can take them. Only one week. I pay you extra. You take them two weeks. Um, but we are thankful that we get to be a church that does include not just our youth, but all generations. And tonight we're in our series called Potential. And whatever God, whenever God creates, he creates with potential in mind. When he created the sun, there is potential in the sun. When he created the earth and how our ecosystems work, he created it with potential. And there's, there's a certain amount of potential that is locked inside of whatever God creates. Now look at the person next to you. God created them. And he did a great job, didn't he? Yes, he did. And if you're disagreeing, watch out when you go home. But everyone that God has created, he also gave potential. So the question then is, where, where, where is my potential? Or what does my potential look like? Am I at the beginning of my potential? Am I halfway potential? Am I fully realized as potential? Where am I in this potential? And what does it look like? Because for you and I, whenever we think of our full potential, it's called our dream. Like who we're becoming. And what does that look like? So tonight we're going to talk about where does our potential begin? And we're going to be in the book of John, if you want to turn there, John chapter 12. And whenever we look at potential, and when we think about potential, God gives us, he gives us illustrations, he gives us ways to think about what this potential looks like. And in John chapter 12, Jesus is giving just a, <laughs> it's almost like Jesus is giving an answer to a question they never asked. So John chapter 12, and I'll read from verses 20 to 33. And this is Jesus speaking. So first of all, the, the disciples asked Jesus a question. They said, uh, Jesus, there are some Greeks that want to see you. And in verse 20, it says, Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. And they said, Sir... We would like to see Jesus. So they're asking Philip, who, of course, knows Jesus. They're saying, hey, we want to see Jesus. These are the Greeks asking Philip. So Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew is Peter's brother, one of the disciples. They're all his disciples. So he, he says to Andrew, uh, Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. So now they're talking to Jesus about, hey, the Greeks want to see you. These are some prominent people. These guys got money. So let's go, let's go see the Greeks. Jesus replies this, Well, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Now, my soul is troubled, and, and what, I, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. 
Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said the voice was for your benefit, not mine. In other words, it's like Jesus is saying, I always hear my father, but that was for you. Now, now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Jesus said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. Well, the crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? And I, I read to verse uh, 34. But what Jesus was saying is, and this is when he's going to the cross, he's saying, unless you die, how are you going to produce fruit? If we rewind the tape, the, the Greeks did not ask Jesus any question about theology, any question about fruit or seeds or farming or, or scripture or the word of God or anything of that nature. They didn't ask him about eternal life. They didn't ask him about anything else except we would like to speak to Jesus. And Jesus responds with a lengthy illustration. Now, I wonder why Jesus gave them that, that illustration. Why did he give them that answer? Because that's not what they were asking. They just said, hey, we want to speak to Jesus. We would, we would like to see him. I mean, so many people were wanting to see Jesus, but not all people wanted to see Jesus in the way we understand Jesus to be, as our Savior, our Lord. And because we're celebrating in this, this week, Good Friday and then Sunday, we understand he went to the cross, died for our sins, rose from the grave so that we could have eternal life. They didn't know all of that. Nothing of that happened. Nothing took place yet. So they just want to see Jesus. They heard about the miracles that he did, walking on water. I mean, wouldn't you want to talk to someone who walked on water or healed the sick, raised dead people to life? Yeah, you would want to see them. You'd want to talk to them. In fact, you do. You go on Facebook. You look at all those. You scroll through and it's like, oh, dead man comes to life. It's like, oh, what is that? So we're curious about those things. Well, same with the Greeks. And they're wondering who this Jesus is. But Jesus gives them an answer that they didn't ask for which is pretty interesting. It's almost like Jesus gives us answers for the questions we should be asking. Not the questions we ask. He gives us answers for questions we should be asking. Jesus is moving straight past the questions of the Greeks and moving straight into their hearts. That's what he does. Jesus bypasses everything on the exterior and goes directly to the inward person. That's what worship does. That's why tonight when you worship God, and, and didn't our youth just do a fantastic job tonight in leading us? They did such a fantastic job. So well done. Yeah, they did such a wonderful job using their gifts for God. So proud of them. But that's what happens when we worship him. He, he bypasses all of our exterior, all of, all of the trying to keep it together look, trying to keep the smile on, look. And he says, I, I'm more concerned about your heart. So he says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, how are you going to produce more? In other words, what he was telling the Greeks were it's, it's not about the flashy things. It's, it's always about the heart and who you're becoming, your potential, who God is making you to be, who God is. 
And Jesus was leading them to the Father. This series that we're in called Potential is all about God giving us potential. That we don't arrive at our potential. We actually grow towards it. We don't just suddenly arrive. When we come to know Jesus Christ, we don't all of a sudden just reach our full potential. Oh, we receive salvation, but we don't become the person we're supposed to be right, a, right away. It's like God have to, has to chip away everything that is not of him. And that takes a long time. Because we've been brought up in the world. And now that we know Jesus, we have all of these things attached to us. The military, the Navy spends billions of dollars a year scraping off barnacles from the hull of ships that slow them down. Billions of dollars. And that's what God has to do. It's like he has to chip away all those things that attached itself to us so that we can reach our fullest potential. And as we continue to grow in him, the, the bigger the potential he sees in us and the, the bigger potential that is in us, the bigger the foundation needs to be. If not for a foundation, how, how much can we grow in the Lord? Here in Hawaii, before Hurricane Izel came, no one really cared too much about albizia trees. No one really was concerned about albizia trees. Like, wow, look how big those trees are. But after Izel, it's like, albizia, cut them down, cut them down, cut them down. Albizia, poison, poison, poison. It's like, everything changed. But what happened? Well, in the beginning, no one could see what these trees would become. And the reason for these trees being so dangerous is they're so high and their roots are so shallow. So their foundation doesn't fit their size. The bigger the tree, the more the roots should go down, lest any wind come by and break it down. And that's what God speaks to us. He says, if you want to reach your fullest potential... Don't look at all the flashy things on the outside. Look at your foundation. Look at your, your, your building up in the Lord and growing in me and the root system that you have in me, lest any wind come by and knock you down. Any argument throws you apart. Any little thing comes into your marriage. Oh, now it's, it's, it's now drifting away. Any little thing someone says, you get offended. Or someone just looks at you and you say, what? It's like, what? Why is it that shallow? Why are we that sensitive? Well, our foundation needs to go deep. And so when Jesus says this to the Greeks, he's bypassing everything they're asking and he's giving them an answer that they actually need. So our potential always starts off small, in seed form. And God shows it in creation. When there's a seed, a tiny little seed, it starts off that way. Just a tiny little seed of potential. And we don't know what it's going to become yet, unless we know what kind of seed it is. And then this seed has to break through the darkness of all the dirt. And if there are rocks nearby, this seed is going to have to break through all of that to become this one tiny little plant. So that once it reaches the sunlight and you have the photosynthesis and all of that take place, it can grow up to be a fruitful tree and then one day bear fruit. But this stage right here is very critical. The seed doesn't look at the dirt and the darkness and say, oh, I'm, I don't have fruit yet, give up. No, the seed knows that there must be, a, germination needs to take place, then it has to break through all the darkness and the dirt and all the junk to reach the sunlight and then go through another process. And sometimes we're in darkness, we have dirt covered all over us and we have to go through all the dirt and all the junk, the rocks and 
and just get to the place where, ah, now I can breathe and get some sunlight on us. And then we can begin to grow. But for some reason, that early stage is a difficult stage to be in. And that's what Jesus was addressing. He was, he was addressing that this early stage, unless you die, how are you going to produce more seed? It's a difficult place to be in. And we must grow where we're planted in order for us to reach our full potential. Imagine if the seed kept saying, ah, junk this place, I'm going to go into another place. Ah, junk this place, I don't see any growth, I don't see anything. And it kept moving from soil to soil, kept moving. It would never grow. But what God does is he says, I, I've placed you in the family that you're in, the place where you're in, the church that you're in, wherever you are, because I want to grow you there. I want to help you to reach your fullest potential. We just don't arrive. Now, I, I love traveling. I love traveling from place to place. I, like, I, like, uh, I actually like the airplane ride. I love being on the airplane. Now, some of you don't like airplane rides, and I understand. But I like being on the airplane. Uh, when we're flying to the mainland, west coast, it takes maybe six hours, five hours. Uh, but if you go to Israel, it's like 14 hours because you have to fly out of L.A. So every destination point has a different time frame. But I like being on the airplane, and, and while I'm on the airplane, no matter how much I complain, like our children do, are we there yet, are we there yet, are we there yet, no matter how much I complain, no matter how much I try to strategize on the plane, it's still going to take that amount of time to get there. I can even knock on the, on the door of the cabin on, to the pilot and say, okay, I have some questions. Like, when are we going to get there? Well, first of all, I get arrested, but... I can't change anything. We're, we're going from destination A to destination B. There's a certain amount of time. And what God looks at is he says there's a destination time for all of us in reaching our potential. There's from point A to point B and so forth. And sometimes we get so frustrated because we're not there yet. And we get more frustrated when someone else is not there yet. Like we put it on other people and God says, oh, this person's destination time, 17 hours. And you're thinking, they cannot do Concord Jet, like two and a half hours. Can you cut their time shorter so that they can change quicker? Because if they change quicker, our lives would be so much better. And God says, well, here, the process that they're going through right now is what I'm doing in their life to reach their full potential. Like we would love other people to change quickly. Other people would love us to change quickly, but God says there is, a, there is a process that I'm helping you through. And part of the reason is we just don't want to wait. We don't want to wait. We like instant. We don't like waiting in line. We don't like uh, waiting for other people. We don't like when things take long. We, we just want things done right away. We all want it now. And we have, a, we have a tendency to have that same mentality when it comes to our potential or other people's potential. We just want them to change now and we want to be better now. But God says, I have another way. See, we all have been given potential. But in order for us to be released in our full potential, it has to begin somewhere. It has to begin somewhere. And you might th be thinking, well, I knew Jesus for a long time. I'm past seed form. I'm way past that. I, I at least have to be like a little tiny plant or something. Well, seed form is in different areas of life. It could be in marriage. You're in seed form. Maybe you just got married. Maybe you're, 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 you just had a child. So being a parent 
You're in seed form right now. So we're all going to have different beginnings in different and various areas of our life. Maybe you started a new job. Uh, maybe, you, maybe you changed careers, something. But we all have seed form somewhere, and we're trying to get better and better and better. But it all begins in seed form. And so what we're going to look at are three areas where we can take out of that passage that Jesus gave, three seed form beginnings of potential that we can all learn from so that we can reach our full potential as a parent, as a teenager, as a, as a, 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 a someone who works hard at, at something. Maybe you're a carpenter or you build things, you're a mechanic, maybe you work with people, customer service. But we all can learn and become better if you're a, a leader, someone of influence, or even as a Christian. So we're going to look at these three things. And if you do have your app, your church app, it's going to be on there with, with our notes. But the first one is this, that this is what we learned from Jesus, that when I die to self, that's when my potential truly begins. When we die to self, that's when our potential begins. Our potential cannot begin unless we die to self. That's what he was saying. Unless the grain of wheat dies, how will it produce more seed? How will it bear fruit? It, there has to be a death, a dying that takes place. See, a, a dying is a part of where potential begins. A dying to self so that others may live. Uh, dying to the possibility of being rejected for inviting someone to Easter. You got to die to self. You got to die to the thought of, but what if they say, no, I don't want to go to church? You got to die to that so that there may be a possibility of someone coming to an Easter service or dying to my pride of stubbornness so that forgiveness can flow. What, what does that look like? Or dying to the excuses of why I am the way I am so that I can move forward. I can blame my parents, I can blame other people, I can blame myself, but unless I die to all of that, how can God move me any further? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 36 says, What a foolish question. When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. And what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of wheat or whatever you are planting. Then God gives it a, the new body that he wants it to have. A different plant grows from each kind of seed. So whenever God brings potential in us, he sees who we're supposed to be. He sees who your, your, your spouse is to be, your children are to be. Our responsibility is to help and encourage that growth in who they're becoming, not us change them in who we want them to be, but to help them become everything that God wants them to be. That's the best way. It's to encourage them in who they're becoming, not who we want them to be. And whenever Jesus says you need to die in order to live, he's the best example who modeled that. He knows what he's talking about and that God gives us that new body that he wants us to have. Every seed comes from every plant. And whatever that, wherever that seed came from, whatever plant it came from, that's what it's going to produce. You can look at an orange seed and ask that seed for apples. You're not going to get it. You can plant it next to all the other apples and say, if you just hang out with the apples, you're going to become an apple. You can talk to that seed all you want. You can play apple songs, whatever you want to do. 
and try your very best to make it an apple tree, it will never become an apple tree because that's not what the potential is inside of that seed. And we can do that with each other. We can do that even to ourselves. But unless we say to God, who are you making me to be and who are you making them to be, that's what I want to support and that's what I want to encourage. Unless we do that, we're going to have a tough time and be so frustrated with trying to change other people as well as not being satisfied at who we are in God. Unless we understand that God is doing something here, we're going to try our very best to do something other than what God is trying to do. And you'll feel it because you're going to fight against God. God is saying, here's who I'm making you to be. This is, this is who I want you to become. And you're going to fight it. You're going to feel the, the pain and the pull of, of, I know who I need to be, but I like this side of me. I like the old self. God says, but that's not who I'm making you to be. I'm trying to change you to become more like this. And we'll do good for a little while. We'll stop from a temptation or we'll, we'll put that on the side and we'll say, no, I'm done with that. And God will say, good, keep it up. Well done. Keep going. Keep moving forward. And then we get that craving or we get tempted again or we, 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 we just want to be that old person again. Or someone says something to us and then that old self comes up and God says, that's not who you are anymore. And you're going to battle with that. He's saying, you're an orange seed. I'm making you into an orange plant. And you're saying, no, I like being an apple. And you're going to fight against that. And God says, you you can fight all you want, but this is who I'm making you to be. So when Jesus says this to the Greeks, he's basically telling them, if you want to become a person of the fullest potential that God sees for you, you're going to have to die to everything you have believed all your life. And now come to me because I am going to show you how you can live this new life in your full potential, the potential that God gives to you. It's going to be a new body. It's going to be a new you. But you have to believe that there is a beginning to your potential. We don't just meet it halfway. We don't jump on the airplane and then now we arrive. No, there's a process. It takes time to get there. And when God says you start in seed form, then you grow where you're planted. And God builds us up. But that's the first thing that we have to understand is that when I die to self, that's when my potential begins. And we will all have a tough time dying to self. This is why we need Jesus. Because he is the master at dying to self. He proved it on the cross. That's why we celebrate the resurrection this coming Sunday. Because Jesus paid for it on the cross. All of our sin he paid for on the cross. And then he rose from the grave. If Jesus did not rise from the grave, what would we be celebrating? Unless he resurrects from the grave, we see no fruit. But he died so that he could be the firstborn among many brethren, as the Bible says, to produce more fruit in the world so that we can be the people that spreads the gospel of Jesus Christ, to give people hope, to bring that understanding that, yes, this this world is falling apart, but not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God stays strong. So when we die to ourselves, our potential begins. The second thing we learn from this passage is that when I live for Christ, my potential begins. When we live for Christ, that's when our potential begins. I can die to self, but unless I start doing something different, I just stay there. But I got to die to self and then live for Christ. Because when I begin to live for Christ, now I have a purpose, I have value, I have a, I have a goal, I have a mission, I have, I have value in life. And I have a direction. Rather than just randomly living, I get to live for Christ now. See, what that means is I, I put my life in God's hands. 
and putting my life in God's hands is a part of where my potential begins. All of us, it'll begin in God's hands. Living with freedom in Jesus builds that greater character. And when we live for Christ and our potential begins, we get to see those subtle changes take place. And you're going to feel it, you're going to sense it, but you continue to live in that freedom in Christ because he's building character. And when you, when you live with this freedom in Jesus, it releases that power that he has given to us, that power of the Holy Spirit. It's the power that comes from him. It's his power in us, not our power in ourselves. And living with this freedom in Jesus allows us to put his word in our heart. That's why it's so incredibly important to do our daily devotions, to be in the word of God so that his word can penetrate our, 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 our darkened heart, our crusted heart, that hardness that we have on our hearts so that he can, he can speak into our hearts so that now our potential can be realized. But unless we read the word of God, what hope do we have? This feeds us every day, the word of God. Imagine if you only ate once a day. Imagine if you, yeah, once a day. That would be bad. Imagine if you only ate once a week. I know some of us are thinking, oh, I would lose weight. No, but you would, you would be very unhealthy. But that's what we do with our spirit. It's the very same thing. Our spirit needs to eat. And if I only eat the word of God once or twice a month, or I attend church, and I listen to the word of God, but I never take the word of God for myself and bring it into my life, I'm, it's almost like I'm going by snacks here and there. You can't survive on snacks. I, I like snacks, but I can't survive on snacks. And what God does is he gives us his word and he says, this is the bread of life. When you hunger and thirst for me, you will be satisfied. And so we live for Christ. He gives us that freedom to put his word in our hearts. In the book of Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 through 25, Paul the apostle, he speaks this to the Philippians. He says, for me, for to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. What Paul is saying is, yeah, I, I, I struggle between the two because if I'm alive here, I can do a lot of work for Jesus. But if I die, I will be with Jesus, and that will be even better. But I think for your sakes and for the gospel's sake, I need to be alive so that I can, can continue to do the work of God. And that's why we're still here. God still has a purpose for us. That just because we said yes to him didn't mean we're done. It doesn't mean we have arrived, that we finally reached our destination. No, that's just getting on the airplane. Now we're going on the journey. Salvation is saying yes to the flight you're going to take, not arriving. And so when we get on this flight, we're saying, okay, I said yes to you, Lord. Now, where's my destination? Where, what is my journey like? Where am I heading? What is my mission? What is my purpose in life? Because this is where I am. I'm in seed form right now, Lord. But this is where it all begins. It's my life for you. I, I live for you now. 
Galatians 2.20 tells us that I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's what Jesus did. He died so that we could live, but it is no longer I who live. Now it is Christ in us. While we were growing up, we had this tree house that we created, and we were probably, I don't know, 10 years old, building this tree house, and, you know, you borrow wood from uncle, and you'd have all of this wood up there, and you don't know anything about construction or, or, you know, what nails to use, so we just thought, use the biggest nails so that they can hold up these two-by-fours, and, but when we would, you know, nail in the two-by-four, it would split the wood, so we thought, oh, man, it's split, so it's not going to hold us up, it's kind of, you know, it's cracking, so what we did is we put more nails so we just kept putting in nails, but it kept splitting. So we, we, we pounded nails through the 2x4 to hold the split 2x4 together. So we had like 14, 15 nails just hammered into this 2x4. And we had all of these 2x4s put down a 4x8 ply uh, sheet of plywood, and we put it up there. And we're only, I don't know, maybe 40 pounds. So this thing can hold us up. Now, we made this treehouse because we wanted a place to hang out. It's the coolest thing. We watched this Disney movie, Swiss Family Robinson, which inspired us to build a treehouse. So we made this treehouse, and then we're thinking, it's boring just sitting up here and just climbing the tree, so let's make a swing. So we got some rope. Actually, it was a, it was a hose, like a water hose. We just took it off <laughs> Auntie's house. We got a, a water hose, and then we found this pulley. It was just a, a metal pulley, and I think they used it uh, when they would, I, I have Filipino, uh, you know, uh, upbringing. So they used it to uh, uh, make meat. It's the best way I could put it. There's this big pulley, and they use it to hoist up the meat. <laughs> and uh, so we borrowed, borrowed that, and we put that on our treehouse. And we thought, how can we make this into a ride? So we put it on the tree, and it's not that high. It's maybe, I don't know, maybe about that height, 15, 20 feet up. And... So we figured, let's put the holes around it, and then we can be on the ground, and we can lift each other up, and it was fun. So that was, that's what we did. We called, it, we called it, this is the best name ever, the pulley twirl. So it was called the pulley twirl, and we named it after an incident happened, and this was the incident. So as we're pulling this thing up and down, you can only go so far and so much. It's okay. So we're looking at this thing, and I had a brilliant idea. I said, what if, what if someone is on the tree and hangs on to the hose and they're heavier than the person holding the, the hose on the bottom. And then you jump off, you hang on, and that'll be much better than just on the ground. So that's what we did. So the bigger cousins went up on the tree and they hung on and we found the lightest cousin, which was my cousin Ui. And she is probably 14 pounds at that time. She's just a tiny little girl, maybe seven years old. And my cousin, I think, was 12 years old, somewhere around there. <laughs> so we said, what is the worst that can happen? You just go up, and then you're going to come back down. Well, he jumped off, and she hung on. And when he jumped down, she flew this way so fast that we didn't really know what to do because our plan was from this point to this point. And that was it. And then when she flew this way and let go, we're like, oh. And, and then when she landed, and you know when you, you cut wind, it's like, hey, you can't breathe. 
So we thought she was okay because she didn't say anything. She wasn't crying. She wasn't talking. And then, but she started to turn blue. <laughs> so, so we're thinking, okay, what? Are you okay? And we're thinking, CPR. We're thinking, like, throw dirt. Do something. Blow on her face. We didn't know what to do. We're panicking. And she's kind of, ah. So finally, she was, she was fine. She's, she's still alive. She was fine. So when everything was done, we, we realized some mistakes that we made. Uh, one was uh, miscalculating weight and, you know, things like that. But we, but, and that's how we came up with the name Pulley Twirl. There was a pulley, and when she went flying, she was twirling. She was, <laughs> so that was, the, that was the name that we had. What was I going with this? Yeah, so <laughs> when, when we thought of this idea, the, the, when we said, okay, all we need is the person on the tree to jump off. That's when everything went silent. Because that person said, wait, 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 wait. So what if I jump off and that person doesn't hang on? I said, ooh, yeah, yeah. That. Well, you better hang on then. So the rule was, we had to make up rules. If you're on the ground, you have to hang on no matter what. And, and at one time, it was too short that they hung on. They got stuck in the pulley. That was another story. But because you couldn't let go. But this person, this person, although this person was risking, this person was risking more. Because there were a few times where this person didn't hang on and, yeah, came straight down. But we're, at that age, you bounce back. It's not that bad. <laughs> and we're okay to this day, we, we think. But when I take a look at that, someone had to risk jumping in order for this person, it's such a great illustration, in order for this person to fly <laughs> and, and soar. Of course, the landing is tough. And hopefully this illustration makes sense. Jesus jumped for us and risked it all so that we could reach higher heights. That's what he did. He, he risked more than us. Now, it's, it's still dangerous for us. It's, it's still dangerous. It's still dangerous following Jesus. It's still dangerous living a life for him. It's not the easiest life. In fact, compared to other people in other nations, other Christians in other nations, we actually have it easy. We do. Because Christians are being martyred around the world. Jesus gave it all so that we could reach our fullest potential, reach higher heights. And he gave his all because he believes in his kingdom. You and I, we're a part of his kingdom. Just think about it, our, our background and who we're becoming. God's concern is not what we've done or what we're doing. He's concerned about where we're going and who we're becoming. That's what his major concern is. So when we say we die to self and we live for Christ, that is, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We need to understand that it's, it's not on our power. He risked it all so that we could go to higher heights. It's on his power. It's on his strength. And he risked it all because he believes in who we're becoming. And he risked so that our potential could begin to unfold his glory. That's what Jesus, what Jesus was saying to them. He's saying, unless this all happens, you're not going to produce fruit. And we do this so that we can glorify God. The last thing that we can understand from this passage is that 
when I serve Jesus, that's when our potential begins. See, serving Jesus is a part of where our potential begins. It's, it's in serving him because every effective leader for the gospel is a servant of Christ. Every, every single one of us, we're an effective leader as we serve Christ. Serving Jesus opens our heart for change. Serving Jesus cultivates a heart for growth. Serving Jesus challenges us to reach our fullest potential. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 25, Jesus called them together and he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, their authority, they lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them, but not with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. And just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, this is where potential begins. It begins where we are. That's what Jesus is saying. It begins wherever, wherever we are in Jesus because it's his potential actually in us. He's saying, this is what I see in you, so I'm going to breathe that spirit to life. And so he says, where I am, my servant also will be, and my father will honor the one who serves me. See, serving is tough because you're met with challenges and tests. You're always going to be met with challenges and tests. That's what happens to the seed before it even becomes a plant. This is just in seed form. This, this seed has to push through all of the challenges of everything that is holding them down to become full or to reach their full potential. But it breaks through because there is so much more on this side of the junk than there is on this side. But you're going to need both sides in order to bear fruit. You're going to need your root system to be healthy, and you're going to need your photosynthesis to be healthy, to receive all that sunlight so that you can bear fruit. And that's what happens when we say to the Lord, this is the beginning of my potential. I want to reach that. And what does that look like? Serving Him. Now, when I started serving, I served in the youth ministry, and it came with all kinds of challenges. You try to get a bunch of teenagers to clean up. You try to tell them after we had 120 kids on a Friday night, all junior hires, and tell them, okay, we're going to sweep, mop, and throw away the rubbish. Not in the rubbish can. You're going to tie up the rubbish bags, and we're going to carry it all the way to the dumpster. This is every Friday. And we're going to mop. So... As they're mopping, I'm thinking, that's not how you're supposed to mop. Some of them, they put it in the water, and they just threw water on top. And they said, it's wet, isn't it? I said, that, that's not clean. Yeah, but it looks clean. I said, we're not going for the look. We're trying to clean it. This is what we're trying to do. So we swept, we mopped, we threw away rubbish. We had to wipe things down, vacuum. We went through all of that, and it's every single week. I'm sure you know if you had teenagers. You have to tell them the same thing over and over and over. Clean your room, brush your teeth, bathe, shower. <laughs> Amazing we have to tell them that. But you have to t say it over and over again. It comes with challenges. Serving is not easy. But that's where Jesus is found. That's what Jesus said. He said, you want to find me? I am among the one who serves. Look at Luke 22, verse 27. Luke 22, verse 27. Jesus says, who is more important? The one who sits at the table or the one who serves? He says, well, it's the one who serves at the table, of course, but not here. So he's saying, not here. He's saying, not, not with me. 
That's, that's, that's not what it's about. He says, for I am among you as one who serves. So he's saying, if you want to be where I am, look, look for the servants. Because that's where I will be. The youth would ask me from time to time, why are we doing this? Like every week we got to do this. Why are we setting up for this ministry? They should set up themselves. And I said, because we're not doing this for them. We're not vacuuming because there's rubbish. It's a part of it. We're not mopping because it's dirty. It's a part of it. We're not sweeping because it has, has junk here. It's a part of it. We don't wash the dishes because they're dirty and it's a part of it. And I'll tell them the main reason why we do what we do in this context is because we're serving in his kingdom. And we're doing this for the king. See, if you serve here, or any, anywhere for Christ, the moment we start taking our eyes off, off of why we're doing this is the moment bitterness and complaining starts to settle in. But once we say, Lord, this is where my potential begins, it's in the servant's role, then in that role we continue, as we serve him, continue to be with Jesus. No one greater than the other. We're all servants in his kingdom. You know what is amazing is I, I, I've, I've been around places and even people who will want to strive for position, and when they don't get the position, they bail because they don't get the position. And I, I, I try to keep this mentality in my mind that in God's kingdom, the only one who sleeps in the palace is the king. We're all servants, and the servants sleep in the servants' quarters. There's no position. We're all servants. We just happen to have different responsibilities, but no one greater than the other. The person who empties the trash is no, no less than the person speaking on the pulpit. The person painting the walls is no less than someone who preaches on TV to millions. We're all servants. And Jesus says when you have the heart of a servant, in that, in that beginning stage, you keep that heart, then you'll be able to bear fruit. Because you're going to find me wherever you find the servants. This Saturday, we're doing a SALT project, which stands for Serving and Learning Together. And I'm going to close with this so you can put away your Bibles and your notes. And I'm going to ask Katrina to come to the keyboard. In, in, a, in a setting like this, you know, th it's this Saturday and it's, and what I'm not doing is throwing a guilt trip on you if you can't make it, okay? It's, that's not what it is. But I'm giving you an understanding of why we do things like this. The SALT project is so that we can get this place ready for people who have never come to church for Easter. And they're going to drive into our driveway. And something takes place even when people drive onto this property. Some of you are a living testimony of that. When you first drive into church, there's just something you, you sense the love of God. Some of us say, oh, I get chicken skin when I drive down the driveway. And you just, you just sense the love of God. That's done on purpose. We purposefully invite the Lord to be here by serving him in that way. So on Saturday, we beautify the place. Why? Because we're preparing for Jesus. 
the arrival of our King, that we're saying we're celebrating your resurrection, so we want to, we want to tidy up your place, your house, for the guests that you're inviting. For all the people that you and I will be inviting through our invitation cards, through social media, through a phone call, text message, or just in your family, that we're going to come to church in, in whatever way you're going to invite. But that's what this Saturday is for. And I believe it's from 9 to 12 or, or 8 to eight to 11. Uh, if you come early and just wait, you'll, you'll see what happens. Uh, but it's on our app, the, 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 the times. But it's a time that we get to serve the Lord. And for those of you who serve Jesus in, in the way you serve him, and, and for all of you who serve, thank you so much for serving the Lord. And maybe you're not serving him today. Maybe you served in the past and, and maybe you got busy or whatever it would be. Thank you. Because your serving, even throughout the years, has not gone in vain. It may have been in seed form. And maybe some of you are just coming through the dirt and all the junk and you're saying, what next, Lord? I'm excited about what's next. You stay close to him. Stay close to the, the servant, the master servant, our king, and he will model for you what it means to be, a, be among the best of a servant. And he does that very well. It all begins with Jesus. Begins in seed form. Begins with just our, our potential. And living for Christ. And it begins when we live for him. That we're saying, God, because you saved me, I now want to live for you. And when you do, as you serve this God, you begin to realize that he is an unstoppable God. Amen. And close your eyes and bow your heads for a moment. We're going to pray. Lord God, our, our, our heart tonight is that we would be more and more like you. And when you said that the one who serves is the one who is great, you said that because you modeled that for us. And so tonight, Lord, wherever we are in our potential, can you just help us to become more and more like you? That even in seed form, even though it's under all the dirt, the muck and the mire and in the darkness, that we would begin to die to self so that our potential can break through all of that junk. That we would continue to live for you. That as we live for you, that's gain for us. That we gain more and more of our potential in becoming more like you. And that as we do so, Lord, especially this week, that we would serve you with all of our hearts in whatever way you ask us to, because this is where our potential begins. And so thank you for always speaking to us exactly what we need. We trust in you, Lord, as our unstoppable God. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name. And we all said together, amen, amen. Can we just say thank you to our Lord and our Savior? Lord, thank you. Thank you for being our God.